Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. I hate Easter. I don't know if a pastor is allowed to say that. But I hate the bunnies. I hate... I hate the name Easter. I hate the games that happen around the churches. I sound like a Easter Scrooge. I know if there's such a thing, um, but it's true. Because if you know what Easter stands for, it has nothing to do with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I worship the resurrected Sunday. I worship the resurrected Jesus. But if you know the root word of Easter and where it comes from, there's, there's this fertility goddess of the spring. It, it's very interesting how it merged into this Christian thing. We don't know exactly, and there's a lot of research, but one of the earliest um, writings that we have is 8th century AD by a, a monk, Monk Bede. And he wrote that month in which English Christians were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus has been called Easter month in Old English, referring to goddess name Easteri. And even though Christians have begun affirming the Christian meaning of the celebration, they continue to use the name of the goddess to designate the season. So I hate Easter, because Easter has nothing to do with resurrected Christ. But when we look at what happened in the European countries and sort of the culture that has adopted it's many European countries, instead of saying Easter, they will say uh, the Hebrew Pesach, uh, which is the Passover, right? Because it's a Jewish Passover when Jesus died on the cross. You, you guys get that, right? So many cultures still use the Hebrew word root, like, um, sorry, I brought the wrong glasses tonight. Pekah in French or Pasch in Swedish. Uh, in other non-European Eastern countries like Korea, we don't say Easter. We say Resurrected Sunday, which is a little bit more accurate. And so I want you to know that Easter is a cultural thing. It's more German, English, and American culture. And it has somehow diluted the meaning of the Resurrected Sunday. It has distracted the church with colorful eggs and bunnies. And this is why I hate Easter. But I worship the resurrected Jesus. I worship the risen King who died on the cross for our sins and rose again on the third day. And that's what we're going to talk about because the center of our faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Center of who we are when we say we are a Christian, why we believe Jesus, it centers around what Christ did on that cross and on the third day. He didn't just die. He defeated death by rising again from dead. In fact, Apostle Paul wrote in the church, wrote to the church in Corinth, if the dead are not raised, then Christ isn't raised. And if Christ isn't raised, then we should be more pitied than everyone else. 
even more so than unbelievers. So tonight we're going to look at the resurrected Christ. We're going to look at what happened, what was the significance of his death and resurrection, and why is this so important for our faith, okay? It centers around the resurrection. So if you have your Bibles, will you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15? We're going to look at verses 13 to 19. 1 Corinthians 15, 13 through 19. Um, you are welcome to use your phone. I, use, I have like five different Bibles apps in my phone, <laughs> and I do a lot of my studies on it. But I want to give you a little backdrop before we start reading the text. The early church believers were debating, does the dead rise? Is there a resurrection of the dead? They were debating about it. And they weren't the only ones in the first century who were arguing about it. There's philosophers. There's even um, old Jewish, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They debated theologically, hey, you know, does the the dead rise again. Is there a resurrection of the dead? Person died. What happens after life? And this has been debated throughout centuries. People have different opinions about it. So this was not the first time. But Apostle Paul goes to the very heart. If there is no such thing as resurrection of the dead, there's a big problem. Okay? And that is central to our faith. And this is what he's talking about. Verse 13 If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not, but he did not raise him, in fact, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only this life we, hope, we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. So he goes to argue that if there is no resurrection of the dead, then if that did not happen, then the biggest con in history have happened. If the dead are not raised, then Jesus did not raise. If Jesus did not raise from the dead, as central to our faith, we ought to be more pitied because we have all been conned. That's really the center of the argument. And he goes on to uh, say that if did not happen, then we have no faith. We have nothing to believe in. It is center of our belief, and it's because Jesus died and rose again. Everything we believe. I want you to know this. Regarding his death and resurrection, and I'm willing to believe, this is my assumption here. You guys all heard of the story of his death and resurrection. You guys heard? Anyone not? Okay. I have to start a baseline <laughs> because I'll go into more details. If, but if you grew up in the church, if your family are Christians, if you, even if you come to church just once a year, you have heard about Jesus, at least about the Christmas, his virgin birth, and then you heard about his death on the cross, and then on the third day he rose again. This is centered to our faith. All four gospel accounts, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, 
details different things about what happened when Jesus died. Phenomenal things. And, and you should read all these things and what's different, and you get a bigger picture of what happened that, that Friday afternoon on the Passover from 12 to 3 when the sun went pitch black. When Jesus died on that cross, and, and if you know the cross, the cross was for the worst of the criminals, sinners. And he, when he went on that cross, he took all our sin. He became our substitution. And when he died, phenomenal, supernatural things happen. Okay? And let me just give you one account. Matthew 27, verse 50 and following, just details one account where when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. This is when he died. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. This curtain is like four inches thick. It's like big, thick canvas. You can't rip it in, in, with your hands. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke open and the bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. Resurrection of the dead. Out of the grave, dead people came out. They came out of the tomb and after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion, this is an unbeliever Gentile, and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that happened, these are supernatural things, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the Son of God. When unbelieving, non-Jewish people saw Jesus die and these supernatural things, dead people coming back to life, their only response was, surely he was the Son of God. They confessed who he was. This was not an ordinary death. This was not just another crucifixion that they had witnessed many times over. They had beaten many criminals in the past. Jesus wasn't the only one. They have seen this before, but they have never seen the dead come back from the grave. And they said, something's different. He is the Son of God. He was no ordinary man. When Jesus died on that cross, he took the punishment of our sins once and for all. He was what we call a substitutionary atonement, meaning he took what we deserved as a substitute, and he atoned, meaning at one minute. He paid for the price, he removed, and then he realigned us with God. I want you to get that. We make mistakes. Whether we cheat, whether we lie, immoral actions, immoral thoughts, whatever we've done. I mean, the list goes on. I, I have an endless list of what I have been. And sometimes in this Resurrection Sunday, as I prepare a message and I think about what I used to be like, it's like, gosh, I don't even recognize that person anymore. And yet he called me out of that lifestyle, paid for all my sins, and then called me to pastor. We're like, what a joke. Like, if you knew my life before and then to stand before you as teacher of the word of God, grace, undeserving grace. And he gave this promise to all who believe 
that he gave you the righteousness of God. That's what he did on that cross. Romans 6, 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. That's a promise that he makes you righteous because of what he has done. John 1, 12, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Acts 10.43, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So the death of Jesus gave us access to all who believe to receive his righteousness. He took our sins. He paid the price that we might be saved. And by removing our sins, he became the bridge. There used to be a chasm, a separation between us and God, but he became that bridge so that we can cross over. But here's better news, okay? And and this is where, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you believe in the eternal life with God in heaven, right? And we say, hey, we are secure. I know where I'm going after death. But he gets better. And I want you to know this. This is where I think a lot of people shortchange their own life. They believe in Jesus and say, hey, I'm secure for my death. But the life that he came to give is abundant life, not for you to die to receive his inheritance, but now. Why did Jesus say, I've come to give you life abundantly? Is that for your death? No. It's for your life today. And I want you to get this. His death paid the price, but his resurrection gave you victory. His resurrection gave you the hope that there is something far more than your death. He defeated death. He confirmed that he is who he is. He's the king of kings and lord of lords. He is God himself. And he could not be held by death. The punishment of death could not hold him. He went to hell. Died. Pay for our sins. And death could not hold him. Devil had nothing on him. And all that Jesus said was, give me back the keys. He took back the authority that Adam and Eve gave. And if you've listened to my other sermons, you know what I'm talking about. There is authority to those who believe in Jesus. Because Jesus took back the authority of the sin and the curse on all its consequences, right? So Genesis 3, Adam and Eve, they fell. You guys remember that? And there was curse as a consequence of that sin. And we have been born into that original sin. That's why we all die. And we all suffer in the consequence of this world. And I've went deeper in other sermons before. And so you can listen to the podcast and but I said, Jesus, when he paid on, what he paid on that cross, he paid that curse. He removed that curse. And that means your life on this earth does not have to bear the consequence of the sins. And this resurrection of Jesus, what Jesus has done was not just a figment of imagination. And I want you to know that 
this historical event, after it happened, it's been documented, not just by the four gospel writers. You know, in the court of law, you have two witnesses, and it's considered true. You guys know that, right? Even in the Old Testament law system, you have two witnesses, then it validates that testimony. We have four testimonies, four writings that details about Jesus' death and resurrection. But then just stop there, okay? We have Book of Acts, and Apostle Paul, he had the encounter. And he wrote this in 1 Corinthians 15.3. He said, For what I received I pass on to you as a... As as of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried and he was raised on the third day according to the scripture, and that he appeared to Peter. Just so after he resurrected, he appeared to Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James and all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. Okay, the reason I bring this up is that this letter to the Corinthian church was written around 54 AD, which is like 20 years after Jesus had died, risen, and the Christianity faith thing happened, about 20 years after the fact. As this letter is being circulated, the witnesses to that resurrection were still alive. So you take all the, the, the gospel uh, accounts that were written around between 50 to 60 A.D. Uh, you have the letters that were being circulated and, and, and passed on like the Corinthian letter. I want you to get this. If Jesus did not resurrect from the dead, if it was in, in fact a sham, there would be names that are listed in those detailed accounts that says, hey, is this true? Hey, Jimmy, you're in that letter. Um, can you tell me if that was true or not? Do you understand? There's so much details in the, to these accounts. He listed off James, Peter, Paul, the apostles, 500, at a time when they were still alive. They could validate that. And if, if any of them said it's a sham, they would start circulating. It's a sham, and it would stop its growth. But in fact, it grew. Christian faith grew. They called themselves the people of the way. They didn't say Christians until much later. They said we are people of the way because Jesus is the way of the truth and life, right? They could have stopped this dead if it was not true. And we even have non-biblical, non-believing historians documenting about this historical Jesus uh, Jewish historian Josephus uh, documented about this historical Jesus who walked. And that the, his followers continued to follow because he died on the cross and was believed to be resurrected. This is the core of why people believed. And I... I bring all that up to consider... If you met somebody and they say, I don't believe in Jesus. Okay, what don't you believe about him? Was he a figment of imagination? Or was he a truly historic figure? Oh, he was a good teacher. But he wasn't a God. Consider the conversation. Well, was Jesus a truly a historic figure? 
And if they say, well, he's a historic figure. He walked. He was a real person. Then you have to ask, then what did he do? Well, he claimed that he was son of God, God himself. He claimed that he would be killed, crucified, and on the third day, he would come back to life. If any of you ever met somebody and said, hey, I'm going to die, but on the third day, I'm going to come back to life, what would you do? You would think he's crazy. But you would wait to see, huh? Let's see. I mean, come on. We like good drama. We like a good TV show and, you know, real TV stuff. If somebody were to make such a claim, you would watch and just to see. Well, what happened? He did get crucified just as he said he would. And then what happened? On the third day, he rose from the grave. If somebody were to say, I'm going to be killed, I'm going to come back to life, you would at least listen to him. Well, what did he say? He said he is a son of God. And to all who believe, will have eternal life with him. What Jesus did not say is, I'm a great prophet, I'm a great teacher, I'm a good man. We can't make him to be what he did not claim to be. In fact, the religious people persecuted him and killed him for his claim that he was the son of God. And father in heaven was his father. They considered that blasphemy, worthy of death, because they didn't believe he was who he said he was. What we can't believe is that Jesus is something other than what he claimed he was. Because he was either who he said he was, an honest truth, fact, or if he was not who he claimed to be, that he was the biggest con artist in the history of mankind. And you can't say he was good if he was a con artist. Do you guys understand this logic? We either believe that he was a son of God, what he said he was, or he was the biggest con artist. And this is based on our faith. And if, he, if it's the biggest con, then we are to be more pitied than anyone else. An atheist uh, legal journalist came home one day to find his wife became a Christian. And he got angry. There were arguments and fights, and he just wanted to just put a stop to this new faith, new Christian thing in his household. So he sought out to disprove her, prove her wrong so that she would just stop talking about Jesus. And, you know, he used his uh, talents and giftedness and because he was a legal journalist, he could argue and he could research. And that was what he was good at. And somebody said, okay, if you want to dispute Christianity, go to the very heart of their faith, and that is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So he did his research. And after all his research and months and months talking to scholars and uh, historical facts, here's what he discovered. In the first 250 years of Christian faith after Jesus, there was major persecution. Thousands and thousands of Christians who believed in Jesus were killed for their faith. And he realized, and you might have seen this in movies, like there's stadiums, there's lions, people are tarred, burned alive for their faith. And at any moment, they could have saved their own life if they just recant their faith. If they just said, oh, yeah, I don't believe in Jesus. It didn't really happen. 
Okay? Okay, I stopped believing. Get me off the stake now. I can go home. They could have done that. But hundreds and thousands of people rather chose death than to recant their faith. And here's what this journalist said. He concluded, people don't die for a lie. People don't die for a lie. They have to be absolutely convinced that this is worth dying for. And that was Lee Strobel, author of Case for Christ. And now he became a believer and speaks all across the country and has written many other books since because he came to believe. This atheist who went to disprove Christianity came to believe in the evidence that Jesus was who he said he was. But forget what Lee Strobel says or what Paul says or what they think. It matters what you think. Who do you say Jesus is? Who do you say Jesus is? Is he indeed your Lord and Savior? Or do you believe, oh, he's a God? The devil believes he's a God too. So what? Doesn't change him. So is it enough to believe? There's something to recognize what Jesus did and recognize when we make him our Lord. Not just our Savior, but our Lord that we know personally. Because if you know God of a religion and say, I know about him, I know Buddha, I know Muslim, you can say about many things, I know. But if you don't make him Lord, it's meaningless. There's many religions. It's not going to save you. But I don't believe in a religion. I believe in one true God who came, died, rose again to prove who he is, that I can have faith and trust that I'm worshiping the one true God who death cannot hold. He can defeat death. He can have a fish that gives me a coin. I don't know. But he's, he's beyond human. He rose again so that we can recognize that he has power to give life. Just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will, including himself. And I want you to know the hope. And I briefly mentioned about the curse being lifted. You know, in Genesis, and I preach on this, in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned. You remember the consequence of that curse was that childbearing pain, child-rearing pain, the sweat of the brow from working, right? There's so much consequence to that pain and the curse that entered into the earth and our lives or, or the humanity. It was because of sin, When Jesus went on that cross, he paid, he atoned for that curse. And he gives you new life. 
not for when you die, but for your life today. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, for it is written in curses to everyone who is hung on a tree. The freedom from sin and its curse is available to all who believe. And we need to, we remember the resurrection to remember the curse has been lifted. I mean, we remember the death to remember that our curse is lifted, but we remember the resurrection to remember the victory that has been given to us. Because he went to the depths of the earth, took back the authority, and he says all authority in the heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore, and in the great commission that he has given to his disciples, he gives to us, to who believe. And I'm just telling you that that's the hope that we have. I'm going to welcome the, um, the prayer team up. Oh, is the prayer team not here today? <laughs> oh, please. Yeah. I guess there was a mix-up in the schedule today. With the Resurrection Sunday, I know people have Easter dinners. I know that there are some people who go to church on Christmas and Easter, and I I love them all. And I recognize that there are people who keep Jesus at a distance. Maybe it's a shame. Maybe it's, you know, I've heard, gosh, if I come to church, you know, the the lightning will strike. My friends used to tell me that as a reason to not come uh, visit my church and I used to laugh it's like come on don't you think that God loves other people and he's gonna just strike you (laughs) if a lightning comes down I I look at this opportunity because I I see you guys I don't know where you're coming from but here's the hope that I want to give you and leave you with Jesus died and he rose again there is a resurrection of the dead not only that he gives you hope that there is this life after and to those who have lost some people maybe it's your spouse your mother your beloved your child I can't imagine somebody losing a child but death is, has a sting. It's one of the most painful things that we go through. Our Christ's resurrection gives us hope that our God has defeated death. To all who believe, there is the hope of the reunion with Him. Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.